Australia Explained, keeping you on top of all things down under. In this episode of Australia Explained, we break down the changes to university fees, why these decisions are being made and how it affects you. Hello everyone, my name is Tanya Ugusa. And I'm Vanessa Di Grazia. And welcome back to another episode of Australia Explained. We'd like to start by acknowledging that we're recording this podcast on the lands of the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nations and pay our respects to their elders, past, present and emerging. Now, before we get into the episode, we'd just like to give a disclaimer that from this episode onwards, we'll be changing to a fortnightly schedule. We thought that it would just suit um, our timelines as well as allow us to produce better quality content um, in double the amount of time. Definitely quality over quantity here, so we're super excited to be able to put in all of our effort into making these episodes as good as they can be. Yep, perfect. So, it is the 2nd of March today when we're recording this, and March for a lot of us usually represents the time of returning back to uni. I know, Vanessa, you have just returned back to uni, Mm -hmm. Um, but some of you may notice some changes to your fees this year. I know I noticed this. Um, So starting this year, some degrees have become more expensive whilst others are grammatically cheaper. And this is because of the new job-ready graduate bill that came into effect on January 1st of this year. So if you were already studying in 2020 and have continued this year, this doesn't affect you. But for all of our first-year students, those starting new undergraduate degrees or anyone just interested in general about university fees, you may want to listen up to the rest of this app. Yeah, and I would also like to preface this episode by saying, like I have promoted (laughs) multiple times before, if you have not yet done so, please link your MyGov account to your tax file number so you can keep track of your uni fees. It is sort of a great reminder because you don't like to be reminded of how much you have owing, but still good to keep track. But anyway... Let's get started. I love when Mum Tanya comes out. <laughs> I love MyGov. We can add MyGov to our list of sponsors. Please. I will tell you all how to use it. Okay, now stop distracting me. Back to the episode. Simple yet essential questions. How does uni fees work and what's being changed? So a crash course into uni fees, domestic undergraduate degrees, so those are students who are from Australia, and some domestic postgraduate degrees, such as a master's degree, are subsidised by the federal government through something called a Commonwealth Supported Place or a CSP. Essentially, this means that the government will support you, hence the name Commonwealth Supported Place, by paying a part of your degree for you. And as a student, you only need to pay the remainder of that fee, which is called the student contribution. Now, as a student with a Commonwealth supported place, you can defer your contribution by accessing the government student loan, which is known as HEX. And this means that you don't have to pay your entire student contribution upfront. Instead, the government will pay it for you and you can slowly repay your contribution once you start earning over a certain amount of money. And this is called the income threshold, the amount that you have to earn to have to start paying it back. So there's lots of vocab and lots of jargon, but the key takeaways are that students only pay for a portion of their university fees, and this doesn't have to be on the spot. The government will pay it for you, and you can pay back the government over your portion over time. Yeah, and this is important to know because in June 2020, Education Minister Dan Tehan announced that the government would change the amount of its contribution based on the area of study. 
So some areas of study, those which the government believes have better employment prospects, will receive an increased government contribution, meaning that the government will pay more on its part of the fee and the student portion of the fee will be much cheaper. These areas of study include science, maths, engineering, teaching and nursing. And students in these areas can expect a cost decrease ranging from anything between 20% less to 60% less. So a student studying engineering, for example, can now expect to pay around $16,000 a year. And this is down from approximately $20,000 a year last year. So that's a decrease of around 20%. And even just before recording this, me and you were comparing our university fees for both doing a Master's of Teaching. And I'm doing it this year, and it's a couple thousand dollars less than Tanya doing it last year. Mm -hmm. So some degrees have seen massive changes. On the other hand, areas of study which are not deemed a priority for the government will receive smaller government contributions, so they'll be more expensive on student sides. These areas of study include creative arts, law, humanities, commerce, economics, communications, and behavioural sciences. For example, the cost of humanities courses, which we both completed in our undergraduates, will more than double. So a year of full-time study will cost up to $14,500, and that's up from $6,804 last year. So that's a massive difference of almost eight grand and a whopping increase of 113%. Fees for law and commerce will increase by 28%, with a full three-year degree in these disciplines costing upwards of 43500 That's a lot of that money. That is insane, yeah. The changes have come into effect for students commencing their studies in 2021, and they won't have any impact on those who started studying prior to Jan 1st of this year. Yeah, so we both graduated from our humanities degrees before this year, but I guess it still doesn't remove the pain that I felt when I heard that announcement because... You know, someone coming from a humanities background, it's sad to see their field being diminished in a way under the new changes. Okay, so why has this all happened now? So the proposed changes to university fees were part of what the government labelled a post-COVID economic recovery. Always comes back to COVID. Always. Damn COVID. Um, (laughs) The big emphasis was on stimulating the economy following all the job losses that the pandemic created. So these changes to university fees are apparently part of this major plan that by promoting the industries where job opportunities seem likely, um, it avoids any more people being out of work. Yeah, and it's closely linked to the 2020 budget, which had a big focus on getting people, quote, job ready. And the whole um, name of this bill for the university fees is called Job Ready Graduates. So there is an emphasis on preparing people for the jobs that seem likely to dominate our future. You can listen to our bonus budget episode for more details, but we already saw within the federal budget of 2020, there was a great push towards creating more jobs in areas such as infrastructure and manufacturing that require um, scientific knowledge. And that's where those university courses in science and maths and engineering come into play. Another area I found really interesting um, to point out is the focus on agriculture. 
So agriculture courses are expected to have their university fees slashed by 62%. And I mean, this all makes sense given the increased focus on producing things that are Australian made, especially after all the trade tariffs and bans put in place by China to damage our national bank account. And we talked about this in our China episode, this whole focus on making things made in Australia and turning against um, international trade, especially with China. So check that one out if you're not too sure what we're on about. But yeah, agriculture, definitely an interesting point. And that also makes sense given um, during COVID, we were aware of our exports and our imports because we had so many shortages in certain um, stocks and items. So it does make sense that we're wanting to produce more things within Australia. Also note that it's good to see all our episodes slowly linking together. Um, But this just really demonstrates the interconnectedness of all the things that have happened over the past year and why they all matter. And we're going to upload a graphic soon to our Instagram account that actually explains how all our current episodes align and where they all link to show that all these issues that have been popping up over the past year are actually all related. Um, But back to it. So clearly this whole change to university degree degree fees is trying to prepare graduates with the right skills for the future but actually a recent economics paper found that trying to decide between technology specific skills like those in stem degrees um, and general skills is actually a tough decision for policymakers to decide on yeah general skills including critical thinking the ability to analyze media and documents and all these things that are so important in the humanities Mm. Um, the paper that tanya was talking about found that stem graduates were able to make a smoother transition into the workforce but the rapid pace of technological change often led to what they call a short shelf life so basically it was such specialized skills and such specialized knowledge that as the technology changed it was no longer as useful yeah so it also found that these graduates would experience reductions in their wage returns over time as these skills did become increasingly outdated and irrelevant yeah so as technology changes and our priorities change these skills that we might be favoring now in university degrees might be out of touch in a few years um but this whole trend was actually opposite for humanities and social science graduates so while their wages were found to be lower upon initial entry into the workforce their wage returns actually increased within 10 years so it really highlights the issue of short-term gain but not necessarily long-term payoff and also really highlights that the economy and the workforce faces just as many trends as fashion. Okay, so what are the impacts of all of this? How will this affect our lives? First and foremost, this won't only impact the skills and traits of our future workforce, but also the attitudes we hold towards certain fields. So one of the biggest concerns is the devaluation of humanities and social studies by placing more importance on the perceived values of other fields such as STEM. However, employment rates between 2018 and 19 show that humanities graduates and STEM graduates are equally as likely as each other to enter full-time work after study. If anything, the 2019 Graduate Outcomes Study found that humanities graduates take the edge by 1-2%. to Also, interesting point, Mm. 16 out of 18 of the current cabinet ministers also studied one of the courses that their fees are increasing (laughs) which is so ironic it's like talk about shutting the door and leaving that behind it's like they're forgetting their own past and where they came from and politics is is part of humanities as well um there are a lot of other courses included in that list of you know increasing course fees as well but just really interesting to note that this would have affected them 
if they were in our shoes right now. Do you think it's a purposeful action to get people disengaged with politics or do you think they're so disconnected that they don't see the value in these degrees, seeing them as maybe too pointlessly lefty nowadays? That's a tough question. You'd like to think that the government wasn't that malicious to say, let's actually steer people away from politics so they don't understand what we're doing or they don't have the skills to engage in those national conversations. I think it is a a bit about being out of touch maybe and not really understanding the needs of the community which is worrying because they're literally our representatives (laughs) um but i'd like to think that it wasn't like a purposeful malicious thing but maybe i'm seeing it too optimistically who knows so the changes may also work to disadvantage those students who are already vulnerable, especially those experiencing difficult or challenging circumstances in which Commonwealth-supported places allowed them an entry point into tertiary study. Um, And popular degree combinations like a Bachelor of Arts followed by a Juris Doctor, which is, you know, your Bachelor of Laws essentially or your postgraduate study in law, these will start to become more inaccessible for students. And this is because the total cost of their degrees may exceed the hex loan cap so the hex loan cap is the total amount of money that the government can subsidize for students across their entire study so if you do two or three different degrees there's only so much money that the government can subsidize for you and for 2021 the uh, hex loan limit for most courses outside of science is one hundred and eight thousand dollars so an increase in course fees may mean that students are more likely to pay a greater, a greater portion of their fees up front, especially if they study over multiple degrees. And I think this removes the whole equality of the HEX loan anyway, because it's essentially saying you don't need to have the money up front. Um, you can still go to uni and get your education unless you exceed the limit in which you have to pay up front. I think it's really sad because our um, loan education loan system has always been a point of pride you know Mm. when you meet americans or people from other countries you're known for having a good system in that sense and that system's crumbling reminds me of a video i should include in the links of jackie lambie talking about this in parliament yes and she speaks with such strength about um how kids like her that grew up in vulnerable areas are just going to know that they won't have the the prime minister's focused on this idea of everyone has a go but policies like these ensure that everybody does not have a go and people don't even think those opportunities are open to them. Yeah. Um, on the path of disadvantage, let's not forget the usual targets. <laughs> women. The usual suspects. <laughs> the usual suspects. And when you think it won't affect women, it does. It, it, it always does. And um, I didn't write this episode with the intent of bringing this into it. It just came up in the research. As it does. As yeah. it does, because it clearly affects women disproportionately. Yeah, and now on to the facts about that. So according to the projections, men who undergo a social studies degree will now take up to 12.3 years to pay off their hex debt, um, which is up from 6.2 years, you know, double the fee, double the time. Um, whereas women studying social sciences will pay will take 14.2 years to repay their debt, up from 7.1 years. And this is all because of the gender pay gap. Yeah. So that's a really long time to pay off a university debt, especially when you've got all these other payments and all these things and it already sucks that women will most likely be paid less in the same role as men but the fact that we have to be paid less and pay this off over a longer amount of time it's like a double whammy that we didn't need yeah exactly um 
But the actual times taken to pay off the debts could be longer than indicated by the modelling because it doesn't account for potential unemployment breaks from work while raising children and for other reasons, which we talked about in our superannuation episode, all the reasons that women might not work for some periods, um, a lot to do with gender roles and family and emotional labour and all these things. So check that out if you want to hear that conversation. Yeah, and how it affects their wage growth over time because it's not just linear, it's very up and down because of those reasons. So, yes, we have those who are already vulnerable to, you know, payments and disadvantage. We've got women who might be disadvantaged by this as well. And, of course, students may be discouraged from studying what they truly desire. Um, this this policy essentially ruins the freedom of uni in being able to study what you're passionate about. And I don't know about you, but I've never, never had any motivation or desire to study anything else besides what I did. Um And I can't really imagine having gone through a career path that I wasn't remotely interested in just because I was sort of pushed in that direction, which is another concern that year 12 students this year may choose uh, their university degrees based on what is cheaper as opposed to what they're actually passionate about. It's also sad because it assumes the only point of education is to lead you into a job where jobs are short-lived and the point of education is to grow you as a person and develop you into an actual thinker that's able to live and function in society Mm. so that's kind of sad um there are also some concerns over whether it will actually help reduce course enrollments in these areas like humanities etc that have become more expensive there's a higher education expert and architect of the original hex scheme and his name's andrew norton he said some things about this that definitely worth noting so he said there might be a brief fall in applications for the high-priced courses but it's likely to bounce back after the shock and there would be no real impact in the long term So this completely undermines the decision-making of the federal government and its attempts to boost economic prospects in desired fields. Yeah. So what's the point of implementing it if it might not even work and we're still going to have students doing the same courses? It'll just increase disadvantage. Yeah. However, if higher fees for some disciplines were to translate to lower um, enrolments, so all those courses that are going to increase in price, um, there would be less demand for teaching staff as well. And we all know that the universities are already in a bit of a terrible state after the thousands of job cuts from the aftermath of COVID-19 and the struggles of universities to reduce revenue when its biggest source of money, which were international students, was completely starved. And we have to question, you know, is this what universities really want? In reality, cuts to the government contributions of university fees means that the government is actually giving less funding to the universities to teach and run these courses as well. And once again, after COVID, this really isn't an ideal state to be in. So the lack of support and money from the government to actually fix all the issues that started during the pandemic, particularly as universities weren't provided with money from the JobKeeper scheme to stay afloat, which Crown Casino was, so find the sense in that. Mm. Crown Casino actually received $115 million in JobKeeper payments in the first four months of the scheme, while the university sector received zero. Mm. And consider both those um, institutions, like, contrib- contribution to society. Yeah. Um, economist Ross Garnott said that Crown Casinos employed 15,000 people compared with 130,000 people in the universities, which also accounted for many hundreds of thousands of more jobs indirectly. Yeah, so like you said, I think it's really weighing up the value of those institutions in society. We already know that universities are struggling, particularly after COVID, um, and then to cut the government contributions 
for those humanities degrees and those social science degrees essentially means that we're cutting university funding. They don't have the funding to run and teach the classes and employ people um, to make sure that students are getting a great education. Which you can see them over time starting to disappear. And yeah. It's like a self-feeding cycle. Yeah. So there's a whole lot of issues that will impact upon the livelihood of our universities and whether they can afford less funding to stay afloat. Don't get us wrong, you know, universities are still turning over millions and millions of dollars in profit, but it's not as much as it used to be. And given their importance to society and the future pathways that they offer, I think it'd be more valuable to make sure adequate funding was provided rather than continue to cut contribution costs. And if the government's directing funding into STEM, of course the universities are going to follow suit and direct funding into STEM. And it just creates this paradox of, STEM growing and all these sorts of fields growing and the other ones being left behind. Yeah, I think um, just before we finish up with this segment, there was a bit of news about La Trobe University cutting a lot of their language courses as well because there's just no desire for them. So what courses are we completely sacrificing in the wake of putting in... I think it's, it's a bit of like a blind bet in that you're putting in all your trust that these courses will deliver exactly what they need to for the future. But like we said the future is rapidly changing. How do we know that these skills and this knowledge will be relevant in 10 years' time? It's a big cost. It's a big risk. Um, and we'll have to see what the reward is. Okay. So what do these changes to university fees say about Australia's attitude towards education? So it places into question what skills we value and ultimately the big debate is about what is education even for. So you can delve into a greater discussion about the purposes of education and the definitions of success. Are we purely producing people for the workforce or are we also creating well-rounded and participatory citizens? And it reminds me of a quote that I've actually said on this podcast before is that do we think of Australia as a society or as an economy? Because this makes it sound like we're an economy not a well-rounded society. Yeah, and that our only purpose in life is to work for the economy and earn money for the country. And I have a lot to say about this in terms of education being increasingly marketised. And by this, I mean that education is becoming a tool to measure how successful a country's economy is. So, for example, um, if you grew up in Australia in the primary school system and, and the early secondary system, we would have done a test called NAPLAN, which is basically seeing whether we have the literacy and numeracy skills necessary to succeed in the nation's workforce and contribute to the economy. And what's worse is that these scores are being advertised as a measure of school success. So think about ATAR scores being advertised on a school's website or NAPLAN results being advertised on a billboard. These things are used to represent the quality of our education system rather than the character and the skills that we're building within students. As two people that before university were obsessed with things like ATAR scores and then learnt critical thinking in university Mm. to be able to look at these things properly, I think it just proves the need for these kind of degrees. Yeah. Vice-Chancellor of the University of Sydney, Michael Spence, said that the changes would be bad for future students and bad for the nation, claiming it punishes students for choosing to study the social sciences and humanities when the best research suggests that a broad education and many of the core skills that these disciplines offer will provide students with the skills in critical thinking, problem solving and effective oral and written communication. Yeah. Agreed. 
big quote, but I agree with it. And we cannot undermine the importance of these skills because we use them every day in our podcast. This podcast is all about critical thinking, analyzing your news sources, making sure you have all the information and making a judgment based on that. As well, I think what Michael Spence was trying to get at too is later on in that quote, speaking about a combination of skills. So is there a point in the future where we can combine university courses so that it's more um, cross-curricular in that we're using those scientific skills in relation to critical thinking and problem solving and communication? So will there ever get to a point where we can combine courses and, you know, everyone's happy? We'll have to see. That sounds interesting. That sounds like a dream, honestly. Okay, now it's time for our recommendations. So, Vanessa, what have you got for me today? So, my recommendation is Homo Deus by Yuval Noah Harari. So, if you've read the book Sapiens, if you haven't read the book Sapiens, go read Read the book Sapiens. Sapiens. (laughs) (laughs) It's a great book. Amazing book. Um, This is the sequel. And it talks a lot about how technology and artificial intelligence is changing so rapidly that eventually the only jobs humans will be needed for is the super specialized tech jobs. So think like only a couple thousand people worldwide, super, super specialized. Mm. Um, And jobs that focus on emotional skills that AI can't replicate are going to be the only jobs around for humans. So relationships, caregiving, those sort of things. And it's super interesting considering the discussion we had earlier about the changing nature of work and what future jobs might look like. Yeah, and also that in that sense, social sciences and behavioural sciences were part of that list of courses where their fees would be increasing, whereas those might be the jobs that we might need to keep people for. Um, So that's a really good recommendation. My recommendation is an article from the ABC that is full of personal testimonies about how these changes have impacted individuals' lives. So there's a range and it goes both ways from people who think it's good and people who think the changes are bad. Um, But there's a range of perspectives included, such as mature age students, which we haven't really spoken about, um, young women and future graduates. I think it just really highlights that with any new policy, it always works to privilege a select few and also that we need to be aware of the certain privileges of different people too. As per usual, these will be in our show notes for you to check out afterwards. And that's it from us today. Thank you for listening. We hope you enjoyed this episode. Let us know what you think and we're interested to hear your thoughts. Yes, you'll be interested to hear as well because we're both humanities teachers now. But if you do have a differing perspective or a different way to look at it, we'd really appreciate it if you would let us know. And in the meantime, follow us for more short, sweet and simple Aussie content on Instagram at Australia Explained Pod. All the info is in the show notes for you to check out. And we will see you in two weeks' time. Bye. Bye,